Hello, welcome to Bible Marathon and it's dinner time. The word of God we believe is the best sustenance for the spirit, which is why we are taking our time to study and dine on the word of God. So, join us at the table for word dinner. Let's go to chapter 13. And some of you may not really get why Paul starts with this text. So let me read this text to you real quick. Romans chapter 13. Let's pray for Heavenly Father, thank you so much for let your word become commonplace to us. Let it be platitude. Let it not be the words of a newspaper. Beautiful. These words resound the transformation of our lives. That as we read your word, as we discuss what it talks about, it will transform our thinking, transform our thoughts, our action, function. Even as we political text, um, help us to see your behind it. Help us to put it to practice. In Jesus' mighty name. All right. So, let me say hi to a few people who joined. Bill. Hi, Bill. With that, it's Bill's iPhone. So, hi. I see Ruth. I see Tulok. But good to have you. All right. Let's keep it going. All right. So, let me ask you a question. Does anyone see the correlation between this verse, verse 1, and verse 19, Romans 12? So, verse 1 of Romans 13, verse 19 of Romans 12. I'm going to read Romans 13, and if you have an answer, let me know. So, look at Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then we go to... You know, we jump a few verses to Romans 13, 1. And he says this. He says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Authority except for the authorities that exempted by God. So does anyone see any correlation? Maybe in verses you would see something very significant. But feel free to put anything you think in the chat. Because one thing I don't want you to miss is that the book of Romans is one letter. It was not intended to be broken down into parts. So there is a many times that we tend to miss when we cross to another chapter. All right, so what does this verse mean? It says every soul should be subject to the greatest. What are the go- We're talking about presidents in our day, right? Um, king, as any authority that has ability. The Bible is saying we should be subject to them. Interesting. The word subject is the same word, submit to, right? So when it says let every soul be subject to, it means we should submit to their authority. And then... What the Bible actually says that is super audacious, no matter what political side you belong to or whatever views you have, is that there is no authority except... Now, when you see the Word of God tell you something like this, it should freak you out and it should also comfort you. Freaking you out in the sense that God is saying everyone who is in leadership in a nation, in a city, in a state is actually ordained by God. That's crazy. So it means that even the silly ones, <laughs> the ones who, you know, and I'm going to mention some names for the sake of making my... Yes, thank you for making me not have to say it. Someone has put it in the chat. Thank you, Toyasi. God bless you. <laughs> Every single leader, right, um, is ordained by God. Now, when I say every single ordained by God, what do I mean by that? Now, there is the effective choice at work when as a nation decide to vote so people gather together and they say uh, we want this particular person to be the president or the governor eventually it happened vote and that person comes now you can visibly see that that was your choice right that was the choice of the people <coughs> somehow we can successfully juxtapose that with being also the so what is this text actually saying it's not saying that god is voting people into power but that the very system and structure authority governing authority is so think about it this way the god wanted to be the king of the people of israel if you go back and read the old testament you notice that for a long time there were no kings in fact the bible says it clearly those days there were no kings in the land right all they had were judges people that god raised very interesting means to guide the and then one day, these people want to be like other nations that have kings. Not knowing that God himself is their king, their governing authority. They want kings. And what does God do? He answers. He gives them King Saul. Not necessarily God's choice, but what they want. Two, two things to ask. Two questions I have now. First question. Was that king appointed by God? What do you think? No. Okay. So that king was not appointed. Okay. <laughs> I knew I was going to get two answers here. So, 
Does anyone want to explain? So men voted him. But look at the text on the screen. There is no authority except from and the authorities that exist at that point. So men voted him in. But was it also God's authority? What are your thoughts? Do you want to speak to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. It's not okay. Okay, yeah. that's more. I'm sorry. Yeah, more. Go ahead. Yeah. Men voted him in, but God allowed it. So God let it happen. Okay. So yeah, with Daphne. So you you don't let me tell you there are two sides on this question on this topic, theologically. There are people who say that every single leader is God ordained. Like God puts people there to judge a nation or to bless a nation, right? So he puts someone there and says, Oh, people have been bad children. So here's your president. <laughs> and the person starts making wrong choices. You know, a lot of people have that position that oh, for example, Buhari is a gift to Nigeria because they are very Stupid people <laughs> who don't always want to learn from their past mistakes. Um, and there's another point of view that says not re- that God just has created the system of leadership. And so anyone who he is there is doing his indirectly of being. And so I tend to believe to a degree. So that's I want to share my thoughts on this so that you guys reason with. What is what is the first principle? What, what is one of the principles of Bible study I've taught you guys? Whenever you read a text, what should you, the first thing I said is ask question, the question who is writing it, right? The second question is to whom was it written. The third question was why was it written, and a segue question is where and when was it written. Why is that a, why is that important? It's important because there is already an immediate context to Paul's writing. My question is, when Paul was writing this, did we have a political system? Was there democracy? Were people voting presidents in? No. Who can tell me what was happening? Who was the ruling authority of the... They were under oppression to Beautiful. So they were under... You can check, please. This is Bible study. In fact, starting next year, I just want to give you him, um, some some um, insight into the future. Bible, 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 First of all, Bible Marathon is going... We have a lot of him we want to do next year. But one of the things that would deny is that you guys are going to participate more than you've ever imagined. Because it's one thing to just hear me talk and learn and be blessed. But it's another thing to learn for yourself. So I want you to even be more active in this process. I'll be throwing a lot of questions to get you thinking in the right direction. So that I'm not spoon All right. When these, this text was written, what was happening? They were under oppression. Praise God to write. Then what what else do we notice? So there was an emperor. Some people would say Emperor Nero or whoever was in charge at the time. What do we know about them? These leaders were ruthless. They dealt with the Israelites. They dealt with the Jews. They dealt with even the Christians. The Christians suffered at that time. But still, Paul is writing that every authority... <laughs> Just think about the audacity here. Someone is in power and he's treating everyone in such a terrible way. Yet, no authority exists outside of God. No authority that exists is appointed by anyone. So that's something to think about. Look at the next verse. Just to push it further. It says, Therefore, verse 2, Whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God. This is why my, the second point is my position as well. So, listen to my argument. I believe to, a, to, a, to, a, to an extent, God is very, very... In who is in power now he may not be the one voting them but just like you and daphne have said is allowing this leader there because he could have done otherwise right god could have done it but at the same time whoever resists the authority resists what ordinance of, i can see in the second side that it's a reference to the principle leadership when you resist authority or anyone god has placed over political leaders the rulers what you are doing, in a sense, is resisting God's order. Does that make sense? It applies to anything. You resist the institution, make society, or maybe you're in school. You go against the principal, vice chancellor, the chancellor, whatever the ruler is. You're going against God's order of system, his design. In the marriage union, God has that same structure. Who is the head and who is... We're getting there, don't worry. Trust me, I'm still here. God has the design. There's headship in marriage. And so anytime anyone wants to create an affront to that, you're not really attacking that head. In a sense, you are resisting the ordinance of God. That's why it's a big deal. That's why we don't joke with these conversations. 
no matter how progressive the world wants to get. I remember I had a conversation with a friend of mine when we were going to Austin. And I had told him long ago, like, hey, don't like the fact that it sounds weird. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. You may not like it, but God knows why he put it there. And I told him back then, like, this was before we went on the trip. This is this is God's design. It's God's design for your joy. It's not for your hurt. Like when God tells a man to love his wife, he's, he's literally saying to that man, forsake every other woman and put your affection and love on this one, the point where you're willing to die for her. When he tells the wife, submit to your husband, he's saying, you may have all these plans and goals and ambitions for what you want your marriage to, and you should be willing to support in that way and to do. But if leader says otherwise, Submission means saying, I'm going to trust in your leadership, even if it doesn't go, which is what we end up doing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? God tells us to do certain things. We don't feel like doing those things, but we say, let your will be done. I'm going to do it the way you want it. What that does at the end of the day is it weakens our, what's it called, our defenses, but gives us strength in the direction of what God wants. When a man loves his wife, it weakens his resolve to live according to the flesh, and actually please God. So you just see the wisdom in that. You see the same thing in government. If you see a person resisting the will of God um, by resisting the leaders that are in that in that society or the structure God has put in place, what you find is you are just hurting yourself. And I'll show you what why I'm saying this in this scripture because the next verse says, if you resist, verse 2, bringing judgment on yourself. And it's like, huh, what is Paul saying here? What, and why is the the whole what is the point he's trying to make here about leadership and rulership? Verse three, he says, "For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to eat. do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. You will have praise from the same." Immediately, what 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 hits me when I see this is very very simple principle. God has instituted leaders, authorities to curb. That's the idea. If you do what is right, if you do what is, you're going to be okay. Like, that's the general. I don't think any of us wants a, what they call a free and fair society where robbers can rob anybody and kill anybody they want. Just imagine a society like that. It's like, ah, this one, you, you stole my money. And they just shoot him with person. <laughs> you know, you just go to another place. I'm hungry. You just go to the store and pick anything. And then the person who is at the, the sales girl or saleswoman or salesman, whoever is at the um, counter, doesn't like the fact that you picked it so he takes a bottle and stones your head and you die there like just imagine how <laughs> how much of a mess that kind of society would be. or you're driving your car and you're like oh, more this traffic is not uh, it's not nice so you go to the side of you start speeding you know that side of the road that's the yellow line you just start speeding and everybody's like ah that's fast everybody not take that is actually lagos <laughs> i just realized that that's actually a, a place on this earth but my point is, when a system, a society is lawless, anything goes, and that's chaos. That's what God created. You realize, go back to Genesis. Everything's out of order. Everything was without shape, void. No. Then God brought order into nothingness and chaos, right? He says the spirit hovered over the waters, but next thing we see is that God put boundaries to water, right? So we see God creating order from disorder. It's God's design to always put Anytime you're in a situation or a society or an environment that lacks order, you are somehow seeing absence of God or the thought of God in that environment. So order is super important. All right. Are we still here with me? Am I still here? I think someone kicked me. Okay, I'm here. Okay. Great. So, and I think now I'm going to answer the question that you asked because obeying leaders is essential. But what if it gets to a point that they're asking you to do things that are against that's where there's a greater authority right so let's look at verse it says he's god's minister to you that's powerful just by itself for he's god's minister to you what does that mean what does that mean god's minister to you and it is every leadership and when i say leadership i'm further to say the police i'm going to talk about anyone who has any semblance of authority in a government or a society over the civilian Say the police is God's minister to me. <laughs> I, I really mean to say it. The police is God's minister to me. 
I'm not even joking. And I'm saying that because this is God's word. Now, you may think about the police as negative. Depending on the society you're in, some are just bribe, just want to take your money, right? But think about it. This is the word of God saying that leaders, Buhari, Biden, uh, any leader you can, all the way to the grassroots, they are God's ministers. Now, what are they ministers of? They are not ministers in the sense of they will preach the word of God to you, be saved. They are God's ministers in bringing about judgment and sound judgment. In other words, they're supposed to punish criminals, reward us, or how they say that. Yeah, good doers, right? Or that's the system God has put him. So God really wants a system or a society where good things, good deeds are being rewarded and evil deeds are being punished. That's how they are God's ministers. Does that make sense? So if that's what they are doing, they are ministers to you. If they bring any rule or any principle that goes outside of this ministry that they've been given, which is punish those who do those who you're not at liberty to. So if they tell you anything to do that goes outside of the authority of the scriptures, the authority of, of Christ, that's when you can say, sorry, I have a higher authority that tells me differently from what you're requesting. So I hope that answers you. The ministry of a leader in power is to avenge and to execute wrath on those who practice evil. So I think... By the way, look at something on this on this verse. Look at this verse again. I want to ask you a question. Bible students, let me read it. Verse 4. For he is God's minister to you. But if you be afraid. So if you do something that's wrong, <laughs> it is right to be afraid. If you are speeding road that says 70 miles per going 100 miles, be afraid. <laughs> you are breaking the law of the land. Um, it says for, but then if we talk about previous offenses like murder, theft, espionage, all these things that are heavy stuff. I believe this verse is supporting the death penalty. Let me tell you what I think. Uh, I know this is a heavy text, guys. I, I know you were not expecting this to be um, the way romance will go. But I just want you to, I want to be sure you are here with me. The Bible is one whole message that we ought to understand. We've understood what God has done. But we also want to understand what, he's, what he requires from us. Like, Christians are supposed to be the best citizens. I'm, I'm not even joking. If you look at the book of Acts, you look at Paul's, just Paul's ministry. Every time Paul, like, as far as the gospel was concerned, he obeyed God. But as far as government was concerned, Paul was subject to the government. Like, when he was brought in front, in front of all these leaders and these rulers, there was Felix, there were all these people that he had to stand in front of. There was one time he was speaking in a certain way. Who remembers that verse? It's, it's towards the end of Acts. When Paul was brought, I think, in front of his feet, and he was saying some things, and it was a little bit offensive with how he spoke. And someone said, don't you know you're speaking to, to the high priest? And he said, ah, I didn't know. Like, if I had known, I wouldn't speak that way. And, <laughs> and he just respected himself because he understood authority. And it also tells us that if we do make mistakes, instead of going on social media saying, hey, I was right, I can speak anyhow to Buhari, that man... Is it, you remember how this, you remember that time? <laughs> remember that time when there was one video trending? Buhari has been a bad boy, something like that. Um, that's not the, that's not what a Christian should be saying. Um, yeah, you can voice out your your inhibitions, your the things that grieve you about the leadership. You can do that, but in all those things, in your speech, be gracious. All right, as a believer, you shouldn't be found out there being the one who is like criticizing everything. Thank you, Emma. Acts twenty three. Um, but you can verify that text, okay? You shouldn't be the one everyone is seeing out there, you know, just trying to get the government to, you know, just... And now, you should want government reform. You should want them to write. But when you speak about them, your mindset should be, this person is appointed to do us, all right? Are you seeing where I'm going with this? You have to understand God's part in leadership in every in every system. Even when you look at the history of, you know, Nigeria, you look at the history of some countries and you see that those, there have been so many things that have, messy things have happened. Remember that that is the human element in politics. That's not people coming with their sinfulness to power, coming with their greed, their pride and all of that. That's not your business. That's because people are just sinners. <laughs> and so they will follow the flesh most of the time. They want to make all right now. If you look at the elections that are the way and you know coming up very soon, 
can already tell that there are some people that they don't have any business but they just want power so you know what i'm talking about there's some people who are just they're just going around right now trying to get people to vote but when they get in there it's very likely going to steal it's very likely that they're just going to do crazy things but guess what will not change the system of rulership meaning god's idea that evildoers should be punished and good doers or well doers should be as long as that is not changed that system is not changed then that's how we should we ought to see god's politics and do you get it so far are you guys with me this is uh, very very important to, to understand if you have questions you can throw them in the chat right now let me come to the point i was trying to make in verse 4 be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain who is bearing the sword in vain? we're talking about leaders right now if you go back to Rome, what you are seeing is the picture of a an emperor or a leader or someone who is in high-ranking military of their day and see someone who is committing a crime this sword there is not symbolic it's literal they do not did not bear the sword what do, what does this mean if you were to read this in a modern day um you know understanding of this you could replace the word sword easily with the electric chair gas chamber or something that would cause the death of an assailant or someone that did something so when he says he does not bear the sword in vain you could say he doesn't bear the lethal injection in, you know because that's what will cause the death of the criminal so I, I kind of see Paul saying that the death penalty is not outside of and um, it's something that a lot of people would say ah, is God okay with people dying ah let me tell you the truth God wants all men saved right but it gets to a point where some people are just rebellious and sinful and God has to take his hands off. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's been God's system throughout history. When they did not consider, they did not glorify God, neither would they think. So God gave them over to their reprobate minds. That's God's pattern. God will push for your salvation. He would strive. He will bring people your way. He would do as, I mean, he already did the greatest thing he could ever do. He gave his son. But he still trying to get your attention but if you keep rejecting it is in god's you know fairness and justice right which are two things that's that's hold together in the person of god his justice and his mercy he's merciful but if you want justice he will grant you gladly and joyful because he will not go against himself and his nature so if god is a rewarder of them that seek him we should expect the government to be a rewarder of those who do does that make sense like the government is supposed to mirror the nature of God, where there is mercy given to deserve mercy and justice deserve justice. All right, very important stuff. So, what does he say further? He says, Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but for conscience, also for conscience sake. I think this is so crucial. The significance of this text is that you shouldn't be running, you should not respect um, authorities just because of the punishment you could get that is baby right you know when a child is just um growing up there's there's not much you can tell the child right you can be like don't touch that don't do this but the child doesn't really understand what do they understand at that age <laughs> just some little spanking uh, you know just a little spanking they will know they will know that they're not supposed to go there and even if they're not old enough to understand what is right and what is wrong they know that ah if i touch this thing i will i will hear one bam on my bum bum so that is like what controls them so they are there's a fear of wrath there's a fear of punishment in god's kingdom christians are not supposed to fearing condemnation or fearing judgment the perfect love cast out fear right that's what we receive the reason we do anything today is not because of a fear of punishment or not doing it or a fear of missing out rewards we do it for conscience sake we do it because of what right we love god so we want to please him and so we see the reflection of that in this text it says be subject not only because of not only because you want punished but also for your conscience sake now if you notice the word in there there is a degree of fear we ought to have all right it's not excluding fear altogether because a lot of people don't even have any sense of right or wrong that's a problem in itself so notice the wording it says therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath meaning there should be a degree of of you know a, an understanding that hey if i do this there is punishment attached to it but also for conscience sake what that means is 
as much as is in your power you want to preserve the state of your conscience this i think we're going to have a teaching <coughs> on the conscience um in our series in march on discernment we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the conscience what is the conscience like how can we because a lot of people have <sighs> have dead in their conscience you know how many of you know have experienced and you don't have to raise your hand you've experienced a situation you there is something you struggled with you did it so much that you know at first it was like oh my god this is the worst thing i could ever do you spoke about it you prayed about it you were repentant but then many years along the line or many months your heart is not even pricking you again you just just lying as that's an example like you're just lying and you just it's just second nature you do it you don't even know how you said it. It just came. And you're not even thinking about the fact that this is an affront to God. And um, what is happening there is the graphical picture of conscience being seared with hot iron. How many of you have had a word like something hot on your body, you know, and at first it's very hot, right, if on your on your skin? Maybe iron. How many of you have, you have like a scar of like you're burnt with an iron? I know that's one of the most common things you find try touching that place you, you probably can't feel the skin there except maybe it's taking it it's it's like it's just there it's just it's like something you can't touch anymore and that's kind of like the idea <laughs> hot comb exactly um and it just feels like there's no there's no there are no nerves anymore no nerve ending that's kind of the picture of what paul is painting when he says your conscience is seared with a hot iron you don't feel anything anymore god cannot get your attention in that area you've gone too far you know the beautiful thing is that there is still grace. There is a way you can train yourself back to have a pure conscience. Before. We'll talk about that, God, right? So don't miss any session on the next year. Next year is beautiful, by the way. I'm just, I'm just very, very excited. Um, if it says it's almost as if your conscience is dead to moral sensitivity. Exactly. So Paul is basically saying, hey, guys, be subject not only to wrath, but also for conscience sake. Why? Why? <laughs> Paul now goes to one of the subjects that you wouldn't expect a Bible teacher to go to. <laughs> he says, pay your taxes. Amen? It's a spiritual thing. You know, a lot of people think that the only spiritual activity is prayer, fasting, reading the word, speaking in tongues, you know, dancing, rejoicing. Those are things we think are spiritual activities. Let me shock you that one of the spiritual activities in your life if you have a job or a source of income, is to pay your taxes. It is very spiritual. It's so spiritual that Jesus paid his own taxes. Are you listening to me? <laughs> when he didn't have taxes, what did he tell Peter? He said, go and take a fish and take the money. Um, so when we talk about responsibility as a citizen, we're talking about spiritual things. I know you've not heard it this way, but it's the fact. So Paul says, it's because of this, your conscience sake, and, and because of the instruction to be subject to authority, that you pay your taxes. You're supposed to pay tax. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very... Let me show you how this is phrased in NLT. Look at this. Romans 13, 6. It says, Pay your taxes too. This same reason for government workers... Are you listening? <laughs> government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. It's God's design that your service to the government takes care of the needs of those serving the government and by so doing serving all right does that make any sense so there's no wisdom in trying to evade taxes and taxes here cuts across like some of you may be like oh i'm exempt i don't pay any taxes you know there's i'm not working i'm still a student i think it extends to dues how many of you have been in schools that they ask for student dues and you're supposed to pay that so you're like oh my god is that part of it oh yes it's go there's a governing body over it that says this is how much you ought to pay to help run the system that you belong to. Now, this is different from all these organizations that they will say, come and pay. Uh, what's this thing? So I'm losing it now. Those, you know those things that they will tell you to register for and then you have to pay in dues, like some organizations, NS, NSB, all these other things. Yeah. That's optional because you can choose to be a member of that organization or not. But when it comes to something you are a part of, you are getting benefits from. It's this thing is a mindset to have. Anytime you are getting blessed under a particular ministry or 
person, um, musician. Let your resources be found there. It's a principle that will save you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. If you are being blessed somewhere, for example, let me just be very. This show, um, the chosen. I love what they're about. I love what they're doing. My money's there, right? Um, one of my brothers in Christ is launching a beautiful track very soon. Money's there, you know. Like I'm, I'm there because. I'm blessed by it. It's a mindset a Christian needs to have. And um, bringing it back to what we're talking about today. Anytime, if you are a citizen of a nation, a part of any community that is doing, be a part of it. Be present. Pay your taxes if it's to the government. Pay your dues if it's to a school or its organization. Because guess what? It is from that money people are being paid. Which is why when I think about like, you know, ASU strike and all this. It's just this is big. This is the cause of all the problems. People not obeying the law of God, people not obeying the counsel of. If everything is going to be brought back to order, people have to follow Christ because it's in Him there is wisdom. The wisdom to live, the wisdom to function in this world is in Christ. And I don't. I'm not saying that with um, any resistance at all. That's God's idea, right? So it says they are serving God in what they do. So need to pay our taxes. It says give to everyone what you owe. Pay your taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to go here, but customs here has a customs in the airports, that's what I'll say. Um, fear to whom fear or not, meaning give to, just like Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Like when something belongs to a, a people, give it to those people. When something, like that's the principle. If you are asked to pay taxes, pay your taxes. If you are asked to honor someone, honor that person. If you are standing before a king or something, honor that person. You're not, trust me, you're not worshipping, it's not, it's not, you're not worshipping a deity or something. It's just honor. It's just the idea that this is the system that functions in this locale, in this environment. And you show that respect that is required. It's, it's, it's biblical. The Bible says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. So the only debt you have to pay should not be taxes. That's the pl- that's what Paul is doing here. It's plain words. Like, guess what? how long are you going to owe taxes? Who can answer that question? How long will you have to pay taxes? As long as you're a citizen? Yes, uh, practically as long as you live, right? <laughs> like, you're going to have to keep paying taxes. Uh, to stop working, it's actually till you die. Uh, because even after you've stopped working, if you still have something that is bringing in, the government will still require taxes based on the brackets, right? So the question is, we are still owed taxes. Paul is playing with that principle. Don't owe anyone anything. So pay all your taxes. But one thing that you always owe is loving. It's a debt you ought to love. And every time you give, it's in a sense paying taxes. <laughs> So let me let me say it in a different way. Um, you don't owe anyone. You shouldn't owe anything except love. You should always be looking for the oppor- another opportunity to pay love to a person, to show love to people. I think this will help. This translation will help. Um, put that together. It says, owe nothing to anyone except, that means this is the kind of debt you should have, your obligation to love one. If you love your need requirements, you know, people are always asking, should we know the Ten Commandments? Should we do the Ten Commandments? Should we obey the Ten Commandments? Different frames, different forms of that question. And the simple answer is, what did Jesus say we should do? Jesus said we should love. When you look at the Ten Commandments, and when you look at love, you will find out that every single commandment is fulfilled when a person. You wouldn't bear false witness against the person, them, right? Commit adultery. You wouldn't commit adultery. Am I muted? Okay. You wouldn't co- commit adultery if you love them. You wouldn't steal if you love them. Kill. Like, you get. So, if you live in your ready fulfillment, which is why a lot of people are missing the point. It's like, if you want to be accepted by God, they say, keep the commandments. I'm like, what is the commandment? You love people. You're fulf- That's so powerful. God just simplified it. God wants us to be. This is something a lot of people don't still get. God does want us to be the law. Now, we don't, we're not made righteous by the law. We're not kept righteous, by, but we are instructed to. But what is the law? to love does that make sense the christian's obligation is to love as long as you live that's all you have been called to do and then he quotes the commandments like i just said 
You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you cannot, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it's all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul just ex took the words out of my mouth, or maybe I took the words out of Paul's mouth, right? And verse, seven, verse 10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore, and do this knowing the time, that it is high time to wake out of your sleep. For now, our salvation is, this is him saying, hey, when you're asleep, there's something to get by doing. How many of you have sleep? Okay. But you've, some of you have sleep talked. That one, I'm sure. You will talk. You will speak Chinese. I remember when I was younger, I used to speak Chinese when I was sleeping. And French. Someone told me I was speaking French. <laughs> so most of you, you know, sleep talk. Some of you maybe even sleepwalk. You will go to the kitchen. You take water. You come back. You never know that it happened. That's another level. But there are some things you cannot sleep. You cannot love in your sleep. And... I think the the point I'm making many things will come can come naturally where you're just talking aimlessly senselessly going to just do something but when it comes to what God invites you to do it takes conscientious effort you need to be present and so the imagery here is it's time to wake up from your sleep stop sleeping get up be intentional be direct love people and loving people guess what it will take effort like you will need to start thinking what can I do for this person today that's love. Let me tell you another display of love. We'll talk about this another day because um, we don't have enough time. One way you know care about you, a simple way is to reach out to them. You know, it's something I really want you guys to, guys to start building. It's something I'm trying to build myself. Anytime a thought, like what normally happens is I'm thinking of people and I pray for them. And I don't tell them I'm praying for them. I don't tell them any, right? And it's something I'm trying to fix where I need to be intentional. Reach out and say, ah, I was thinking about you yesterday prayed for you, hope everything is and reach out to people like that because <sighs> there's so much to say here there's so much but there's no time but i think i'll summarize it by saying just be intentional about love and loving people too many times can be because many times they don't res respond or reciprocate that's when you are really test that's the test it's not when they'll give you the love back you know you love bomb them they bomb you back with love you're like ah you're happy no that's not love Love is when you've sent three text messages. They did not reply yet. You still love them. You have to pray for them. It's the same thing Jesus did. He died knowing that some people will still say, who sent you? <laughs> All right. Um, but you must love, not waiting for anything in return. Why? Because our salvation is nearer than we've... Mark my words. This is a text you dearly to your heart. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And Paul is talking about the consummation. I've told you about this before. Three, three levels or three stages in what is called salvation. The initial one is you believe the gospel and you're saved. Meaning you have an assurance of salvation. That's what you have. Christians today have an assurance. We don't have the finished work of salvation as of yet. Why? We still experience pain. We could still get sick. Some people still lack, right? That's not the full picture of salvation. It's the assurance of salvation. The hope of eternal life. That's what we have now. The second stage is what continues in us because of the faith we initially had, which is God working in us through patience, changing our hearts, changing our minds, renewing us, which is an ark of salvation. The final one where it's consummated and Christ returns and we're changed. Or if Christ is not back yet, our dead bodies rise and are that in token of an eye changed into a new body. That's what we're waiting for. So that's what this is talking about. Our salvation is nearer than we first be all right and as we round up it says and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake from sleep it says verse 20 verse 12 the night is far spent the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on he's literally telling you take off you know when you want to sleep and you've come back after all the makeup one party like that like, ah you, you just you know bring all those things that you used to wash off your makeup clean everywhere take off your clothes remove your wig all that's the imagery Paul is getting. Take off the works of darkness. That's it's, it's, it's effort. Especially if you tied gilly and you tied it so hard. Or you know those clothes that you wear that you have three, you need three people to help you. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. That is what he's talking about. It's, you must cast off the works of darkness. So if there's anything intentional in your life that you know that has to be dropped. That's the cast it off. But then don't stop at casting it off. Because that's the problem a lot of people have. There's a besetting sin. Move it, but you don't replace it. That's a problem. You must put on the armor. There must be an armor. So take off what and put on an armor. Something that shields you and protects you. 
from taking on those clothes anymore. It says, let us walk properly as in the day, verse 13. Not in revelry and drunkenness, meaning don't be unconscious. Keep your conscious mind. Be aware. Walk when you can see. And it says, not in lewdness and in lust. I'm going to talk more about this next time we have Bible study as we go into Romans 14. But this is so crucial. Not in strife and envy. Then he ends it with this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no flesh. This is the simple message. You have a responsibility to put on a garment. It's you. Don't exp- don't wait for God to do it. If you don't, that's why if you're struggling with anything, or just, just have something in your life that is stressing you. If you're waiting for God to do something about it, you're missing the instruction here. Who is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? It's you. You're supposed to take that garment, put it on. And then he says, make no provision for the flesh. The imagery I have is, don't put the gown of lewdness and lust and sin in your cupboard or closet. That's what people, the next day, they don't know that they are preparing themselves for it. So they, <laughs> you've just taken off your clothes of the works of darkness, but you've put the blouse and the skirt and the, and the jackets and the, this thing of all these things that can cause you to stumble the next day. And the idea is very clear here. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't plan for it. <laughs> that's, that's the instruction. Don't plan for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Because guess what? If you plan to wear it, you, and that's what always happens. Nobody just jumps into sin. You have prepared it. You have put the clothes. You have put the jewelry. So when you wake up the next morning, there's no other clothes to wear. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've prepared it. You've gone to the person's house. <laughs> you have turned off your phone. You have whatever it is that appeals to that. You've done it. You see, Christ is saying, don't do that. Block it. Delete the number. Um, unsubscribe. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Because I'm saying things that are very common with us. And next year, we're not even going to be... We're not going to have mercy. We're just going to be very... It's one of our goals in Bible Marathon that people will come out of next year and say, this thing that I thought nobody could help me. This thing that I never thought could stop in my life. This anger issue. This lust issue. By the end of 2023, December, it's gone. And I want to show you how practical that is. We're going to see how the word can practically get us from A to Z. And um, this verse you're looking at here is one verse you have to hold dear to your heart. You have to put on the Lord Jesus. Don't run naked just because you have taken up the, the works of darkness. Very, very. So that's Romans 13. We're going to continue next week, God willing. I'll let you know if we'll have the time to... I, I, believe we should be able to meet next week um but is there any question on what we've studied today or we round off any question on anything i've said from verse 1 to verse 14 i'll give about two minutes please i love questions they help us respond to things that missed or just bring clarity to some issues um hi jessica good to see you kilich is here okay right no questions oh goodness is here hi goodness all right what about contributions Sorry. <laughs> regarding contributions the stuff you talked about um taking off and forgetting to put on <laughs> a scripture came to mind about um i think it was the man that the evil spirit left him like he has cleaned the house everything but he didn't feel himself up with god's spirit so his situation afterwards is going to be worse like when was spirits coming i don't know those, yeah can jesus you? yeah jesus gave that story about um if demons leave a person and he even used the word seven stronger demon take that for um so yeah that's that's such a good example if you don't avoid you're leaving it open to anything definitely definitely and how do you for how do you close those gaps you intentionally put something else there Literally, like I, when I was studying this, I remember the imagery of a cut, a show I used to watch when I was very young. It's called Donut Man, and there's one. Um, some of you may not know it, but some of you who are like OGs, you know, there's a song "Life Without Jesus is like a donut, like a donut, like a donut. Life without Jesus is like a donut, for there's a hole in the middle of your heart." And then there's a part of the song where he takes a pastry and blocks the hole of the donut, and that's the imagery I had, like. When you leave a void, 
anything can go you need to look out for those voids and plug them with the word of god plug in a sense cover it so thanks for that addition um jessica is asking the verse that talks about our salvation being nearer than before is he talking about Christ? absolutely yeah he's talking about um the fact that christ is coming soon and that our bodily salvation is at hand finally so that's what that text uh he said that in a pre-salvation context let me be sure I know what you're talking about. Let me see the text. Okay, it said, do this knowing the time. So it's a future event. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Because this is a consistent theme in Paul's writings. He says, we should wake up from our slumber because the day is fast approaching. Hebrews says the same thing. Um, you know, gather together often with each other as you see the day approaching. Um, Hebrews 10, 25 Ephesians 6 says the same thing. Ephesians 4 says the same thing. Um, Pastor Ines, I was actually referring to um, the demon, um, the seven demons that Jesus was talking about. Sorry. Not oh, the... Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, not Roman. Sorry. Yeah. I, so I think Daphne was referring to it in as a as a picture. Not a, not exactly the... I'm, I'm sure she didn't mean that uh, demons will come into the Christian or something. No. I don't think that's what she meant. I think she okay. just meant... The fact that there was a void and something filled it and that you can kind of carry that idea into if there is a void left open it's you know it's a it's an opportunity or you're making provision for the flesh i think that's oh yes that's what i was referencing like the void thing a a phrase that kept ringing in my mind was nature abhors vacuum nature right. abhors vacuum basically yeah mm. makes sense okay yeah. thanks for thanks for those contributions all right, guys, I love you so much. Let's pray real quick and then we'll be out of um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. lives and abides forever. It transforms us from within. We've learned today that we ought to responsible citizens of whatever nation, even when it is hard, even when it goes against the natural. Um, when we have a government that is just ridiculous, help us to still understand that it's your plan and your will that there is a system of that punishes evildoers and rewards those who do what is wrong. Help us to see your wisdom in that. Help us to also walk alongside to see that that God emblems or totally reflects what you intend and governmental institutions. We know that you plan to take us to positions of high pedestals, just influence in our city, in our nation, in industries. I pray that even as you do that, help us to see this gold mind, powerful reflection, your justice and your mercy, wherever we find ourselves. Thank you, precious Father. Help us to not give options, provision to the flesh to build its lusts. Help us to replace our desires with Christ. Help us to seek things. Help us to put on Christ a garment of protection. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty man. Amen. Right. Love you guys. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, please, there's a testimony you wanted to share. Um, I don't know if you want to share, but remember we prayed for um, one of our friends that lost it. Um, got a testimony. I don't know if you want to share. We'll just really briefly, one minute. So, basically, she was applied for um, uh, her to work with work for the visa. It was like £1,200. And so, like, basically, God just made it such a way that she doesn't need to pay for that money. Her place of work is going to sponsor her for her to get like, um, a work visa and alongside other benefits. And the 1000 it was 1400 but she paid, she already paid 1200 And so she was struggling to pay the remaining balance because of you know, the whole house thing, the money that was stolen. But then she doesn't need to do that any longer and the 1200 will be turned back to her. And so, yeah, this is like, but it's just amazing because God just brought it in another way. We're not expecting it this way, and it's amazing. Sometimes when we pray for something, we are indirectly praying for how we want the answer to come, you know. And sometimes we just really need to trust that God has his own way. So we were thinking, ah, this, they took money. Let the money come back. Like, let's get it back. And what ended up happening is the commensurate value for what she lost, she's getting back and potentially even so let's keep trusting god it's it's one thing you don't want to stop doing um i know some of us are still waiting on it's not too late to, to you know expect to see god's god um, and i know also that some of us are being tensioned too many marriages happening one is coming amen don't worry 
God sees you, God loves you. God is also seeing God when. <laughs> He's also seeing God now. So just trust him, all right? Um, I'm saying it because I know a number of people that have had that um, that thing, that feeling there eh, is legit. And it just has to go there. What? It just has to go there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just had to go there. I'm, I mean, I'm your pastor here in a sense. So just just protecting you from those those ideas that you might have that God has forsaken, that God sees you. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you to use this time to avoid the mistakes of the... Um, a lot of people are missing out on the fact that holding and making and maybe you're not even giving him enough time to do what he wants to do, knowing that he knows what your future looks like. So because he knows what your future looks like, he's the best person to prepare you for. So instead of you to align with that plan and wait for God to just bring, you know, supernaturally this person and supernaturally doesn't mean spectacularly it can just be someone you've always known but be patient i think that's the most important thing. be patient can you wait can you allow god to work if you don't give the time for god to work you will have to learn those lessons in the future by that time do you have enough strength you know what i mean so just um just trust god uh, there's a testimony here sorry i'm the reason i'm spending a little bit more time and not letting you go is because i've missed you guys it's been a while been a while though so jessica said um um help me thank god he came through for me i experienced a lack of financial oh i i i feel like i experienced a lot of financial setbacks and felt like i was micromanaging and this month i've gotten like monies everywhere ah come on pay your tithe from everywhere i didn't expect come on drop your tithe i collect 12 percent i don't do 10 is it 12 twived twived how do you say how you say 12 percent twived <laughs> all right so God, glory to god for that and i think there'll be more testimonies in jesus name all right thank you guys that was an awesome meal thank you for joining us as we studied the word of god if you would like to join the actual world dinner sessions live on fridays you can visit the link page. It's always on Fridays, 9 p.m. West African time. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at bmg.global and see you when next it's dinner time.